Hi friends, and welcome to the She Lives Purposefully podcast, a place for you to be encouraged and equipped in your walk with Christ. I'm your host, Megan. Hello and welcome back to the She Lives Purposefully podcast. My name is Megan and I'm so thankful that you are here. And today we are continuing our first Timothy Bible study, which I'm so excited to do with you. Before we do, I just want to remind you that we are doing a new segment we started last week, last Thursday, called Dear Meg at the end of every episode, where you can submit any question anonymously, and I will answer it on the podcast. You can comment your questions on Spotify, which goes straight to me. And I won't, of course, publicize your name or anything like that. You can email me at Megan at purposefully.com or DM me your question. And I will answer these questions on the podcast anonymously. So we can, yeah, all hear questions from women like you or from you yourself and chat about those things. And I just want to say too, before we dive into everything, I want to say thank you for being here today. I seriously, there are not enough words to say how thankful I am for you, for every single person who is listening. And I'm so thankful that you feel like, oh, I just feel like I just got overwhelmed, like thinking about it. That I'm so thankful that each of you are encouraged in this space. And I'm just thinking about the messages that I get from you guys, seriously, like all that I could ever hope and pray for. So I am so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that you are encouraged and equipped on this podcast, whether it's the Bible studies or the Thursday episodes, or if you are a bonus monthly subscriber, those episodes too. I'm just so, so thankful for you. If you do like the She Lives Purposely podcast, of course, I would love if you would leave a review. And if you would share the podcast with your friends in your favorite group chat or on social media, that helps the podcast to reach new women and to grow and keep She Lives Purposely in Spotify's top 50 religion chart, which is has been in for over six months now, which is so crazy. I think almost seven months. So unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Okay. So let's dive into first Timothy together today. We are looking at more instructions for how the church should be. We saw this in chapters two and three, and now we're seeing it as well in chapter five. So of course, I want you to know too, that while we'll cover the majority of the study on the podcast, the full study is available for digital download in the shop. If you didn't know, each study that we talk about on the podcast actually has a digital study that goes with it. And the digital study comes with downloadable prints for every section, a background on the book, a background for this study on both Paul and Timothy, a section for notes, for prayer, and all the things. So you can get the study for $5 in the shop, or you can get this study and all the studies for free as a bonus monthly She Lives Purposefully subscriber, which is $5.99 a month. You get all the studies, Bible reading plans, bonus podcasts, and more. So go ahead and check that out. Both of those links for the study itself and for the subscription will be in the show notes. All right, so let's dive into 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we are reading it through chapter 6, verse 2. So that's going to be a total of 27 verses, and it's going to seem like a lot, but I encourage you to hang in there to either read along with me or listen with me because this is so important. And I just love studying scripture with you guys together, reading God's word together, and really diving into what it means. All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 5, and this is the English Standard Version. It says this, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. 
younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows, that if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return for their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying that they, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that if it may care for those who are truly, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, "You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages." Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but only use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters of worthy of honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not, revile, may not be reviled. Those who have been believing masters must not be respectful on the grounds that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit the, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. All right, so I stumbled through that a little bit a couple times, but it is such a good and important passage. And I think it begs the question too, why is there so much instruction about how the church should act and how the church should run? Friend, because God cares about his people. He wants his people to be cared for, to not be taken advantage of, to be led well and to be treated equally. So what do we see in this portion? We see in verse one that we are to treat every member in the congregation or body of Christ with respect as family, with purity, and with encouragement. 
we also see that we're to encourage and exhort others. As a note, the word rebuke in verse 1 is more like struck at in the original text according to David Guzik. So that is huge. In this passage, we also see who God wants the church to be responsible for. This is beneficial for those who need help, but also so that the church isn't taken advantage of. The church friend should help those in the body of Christ who seek God and live godly lives who are in need, especially those without family, as we see in verses 3 through 5. The body of Christ is meant to act like a community full of love. It's meant to be a community full of love. Even the teachers in the church are to be cared for and encouraged. God's plan for the church is for is also for families to really take care of each other. In verse 7, we see that a family who doesn't help family has, quote, denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's a command from God that family takes care of family in need. We also see that God wants his children to be led well and to care for each other well. Teachers in sin should be called out and they should be called out in public. There should be no partiality, no prejudice. The principles apply to all. Prejudice and partiality are sin. And we also see that those in the church are very involved in each other's lives. He wants us also to keep ourselves from sin. And in verse 24 through 25, we see that even when we fail or can't see other sin, God does. The Lord sees all sin and all good works. We won't be able to read people perfectly, but God knows people fully and he is with us. What a cool comfort. And two, just as a note here, we see in verse 23, of course, that wine was not forbidden to Timothy for practical purposes. So, you know, there is that conversation of like, is drinking a sin, is having any alcohol a sin? And the Bible clearly teaches that that is not the case. Of course, getting drunk is a sin, but having, consuming alcohol is not a sin. And it says here a little bit for, um, you know, ailment in, in this situation. All right, two... We see that the body of Christ and the relationship between the body of Christ is also supposed to be seen outside of the church, even in a workplace. And in this portion as well, we see a relationship between servants and masters. We see that those who work for each other should be respectful to each other and serve each other even better because it is for another Christian. Now this passage really begs the question here is we see servants and master, masters and we do see throughout scripture this idea that there is slavery. We see, of course, that the Israelites were slaves, but we also see different commands between slaves and masters, servants and masters. And so I think it's a really important thing to kind of dive into and really emphasize that slavery is not something, obviously, that the Lord is for. We see that over and over and over in scripture, but because we also see different commands for servants, you know, in years past, especially there were times when people would use the Bible to kind of excuse slavery, but we're going to kind of dive into exactly why that's not the case. Like why God does not condone slavery, especially slavery in forms that it exists today and what we really think of it as. So David Guzik says this, Christianity arose in a social setting where slavery was commonplace. There were some 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. 
Some slaves held privileged positions and other slaves were treated with great abuse. And friend, in the Bible, we do see slavery in the Old Testament and even instruction for slaves and masters in the New Testament. So we don't necessarily see slavery in general, again, especially in this context where some slaves were held in privileged positions, it's more like a servant kind of idea. We don't see the Lord strictly forbid that, but we do see him strictly forbid something that we really associate with slavery, which is awful. But so we'll dive into that. But God's commands, principles, and guidance in the Bible do rebuke what slavery often looked like and looks like today. God's commands, quote, and this is from David Guzik, effectively destroy the foundations of slavery, racism, greed, class hatred, and made a civilization without slavery possible. Friend, God, through the writers of the Bible, instructs masters on how to treat servants and slaves and emphasizes that in God's eyes, neither master nor slave is greater. Paul, through God, instructs or rather commands masters to treat their slaves fairly in Colossians and in Ephesians. The Bible calls mistreatment, racism, greed, and favoritism wrong. The Bible commands love. It says that all men are created by God and made in his image in Genesis 1:27. It also earlier on in 1 Timothy in chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 and also in Exodus 21 calls taking someone captive in order to sell him into slavery a sin and lawless and ungodly. The Bible also instructs slaves to work well for and honor their masters as it does here in 1 Timothy 5. But I think it's just such an important thing because sometimes we'll see that as an argument. Well, like the Bible even condones slavery because it gives instructions to masters and the Bible does not. We see it again and again and again and again. The Bible is against, like we see, taking someone captive in order to sell them into slavery. They call it The Bible calls it sin, lawless, and ungodly. It's against racism, greed, favoritism, mistreatment, all of it. The Lord does not condone it. In the church, you may also have seen a slave in church leadership and a master who would have to submit in church leadership. There is no partiality in Christ. You would also see masters and slaves going to church together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as Galatians 3.28 says, all one in Christ Jesus. So I just felt like that was really important because I think there are a lot of different arguments against the Bible, against Christianity, and I just think it's so important as we come up to a passage like this that does reference servants and masters to really just point blank state out. Again, it should be obvious to us, but sometimes we hear these arguments that the Lord is not for slavery. He hates mistreatment. He is for those who have been, you know, mistreated. He hates injustice and he is a God of justice. And again, like he has made every human in his image. It shouldn't have to be like stated. It should be so clear to us, but I think it's so important that we do just, like I said, coming up on a passage like this, really emphasize that truth. All right, friends, now it is time for Dear Meg. 
Okay, so in today's segment of Dear Meg, here is the question, how do I stay consistent in my Bible time routine each day? I think this is such a great question. I think it's so important. You know, we've talked about a million times on the podcast how important Bible reading actually is. And there actually are a couple of different episodes on Bible reading you know, how to incorporate that in your routine, how to do it when you don't feel like it, all that good stuff. So I encourage you to like search She Lives Purposefully Bible or, you know, things like that. And those episodes are sure to pop up. I will try to find those and link those in the show notes as well. But I'm going to answer it right here to how to stay consistent in my Bible time routine each day. I would suggest the first thing that comes to mind, again, these are questions that I don't really prep for. I'm just kind of reading them. I do prep my episodes normally, but the questions I want kind of to be spontaneous. So the first thing that I would say is to incorporate it into part of your routine and really try to make it like a habit as part of your day. So if you are somebody who, I don't know, maybe can get up a little earlier, some people prefer prefer to do it at night in the morning I'm more of a morning person and if you know you want a good morning routine incorporate it into your morning routine so that it's something that you are like set to do every single day almost like you have a meeting like a work meeting or a class that you have to go to or you know a friend hang a date something like that like make it an appointment make it something that you're guaranteed to go to part of your morning routine so it's something that I like to do I actually have a habit tracker app and I included it in my habit tracker just to like see how consistently I'm doing it every single day and the habit tracker most of it is part of what I do in my morning routine so I'm kind of checking all these things off and two I think if that's helpful in doing it in a morning routine really falling in love with your morning routine and setting aside that time to do it go to bed at a good time so that you can wake up at a good time and just have your morning routine all set out and prioritize bible reading as a part of that and again make it like an appointment kind of thing where you're like i am not gonna miss my meeting with god i think that's really really a helpful way to do that i think too is really kind of going back and reminding yourself of the heart behind it it's like why am i reading my bible i'm reading my bible because the bible is god's word and it is my time with him it's time set apart to be with him and so i think really remembering that and holding the weight of that like oh my goodness these are the words of God and he allows me to read them and he wants me to spend time with them and he wants to speak to me in them and he wants to transform me through them I think really motivates us to step into this practice and habit of reading our Bible every single day so really focus on the heart behind it remind yourself of the power of it and to incorporate it as part of like a routine in your day something that you're not going to miss like eating or making your coffee or you know something like that um brushing your teeth (laughs) and I think it really is true because because for example, I started going to the chiropractor recently and they really really encourage you to do stretching and they were saying it should become a habit as frequent as like brushing your teeth. It's something that you just don't miss and you just do every single day. And not that you ever want Bible reading to become kind of this mundane thing that you just check off ever because again, it is so powerful and so incredible that we get to read scripture but it should be something that we can kind of incorporate and be like all right i just know that this time you know 7 to 7 30 even if it's just a little bit you're running late all right like 7 15 to 7 30 is my time to dive in with the lord um yeah so this would be my encouragement to you on this segment of dear meg friend i hope and pray that this episode was an encouragement for you today 
I am so stoked that we get to continue to study 1 Timothy together. I want to encourage you to not miss this Thursday episode. It's going to be so good. We like when I say so good, I feel like I say that all the time. This is probably one of my favorite episodes that I have written out like different notes for. I am just ecstatic about this upcoming episode. It's a must listen episode for the woman stuck in shame. I feel like shame is absolutely rampaging our culture, even Christian culture, just really hitting us with our past, things we've done, even things that we've done while we were in Christ. And Satan is powerful and he's really powerful in this area, in this area of shame, of shame but we can break that shame. And so we're really diving into that on Thursday. And then on Friday, I'm really excited for our bonus podcast episode where we are talking about daily habits that I have been implementing. We talked a little bit about habits today and a little bit about my morning routine, but we're really going into it. So I encourage you to sign up for the bonus subscription, bonus monthly subscription, where you get those weekly episodes. You get a Bible reading plan that's going to keep you like literally for those who are subscribers you have not not had something to read for every single day that you have become a subscriber. Like there are Bible reading plans in there that you can go back, you can start new ones. There's ones that we're going through now. And two, you get access to all of the Bible studies like this First Timothy Bible study, all those digital studies, and plus a little bonus, a 20% off reusable shop code. So all of that to say, stay tuned for these episodes this week. Go and check out the subscription. You get a two-week free trial. Link is in the show notes, friend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Live for Jesus, love him, and live purposefully. I love you, friend.